There's a place some of us go each fall, a place where the ring of a bell filters through the covers, and hurried shouts of bird up bring everybody to attention, a place where the playful puppies around our house are transformed here to driven bird finders, and where there is confidence in the slow pace of the silver-muzzled old veterans where our friends tell the same old stories each year, and none of us seem to mind. Where great shots are forgotten, and epic misses never fade. Where an old gun will have a story to tell, if only it could speak to us. Where all the good seats are claimed by the dogs. If you have a camp, you know these things all too well. And if you don't, well, you're always welcome here. So pull up a chair, tell us about your favorite gunner dog, and we'll admire the birds together and talk the night away by the fire. Welcome to Bird Camp. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bird Camp podcast. Pardon the background noise. It is cold here in Michigan, and you're going to hear the furnace kick on every now and then. We're going to be into the single digits. And not expected to get too much warmer come tomorrow morning. Yeah. On the on the flip side, I have an amazing guest that kind of surprised me here. But welcome, Des Young, to Bird Camp. Hey, my pleasure. It's nice to visit with you. And it's not, by the way, it's not nearly that cold here. No. <laughs> you. <laughs> no, no. This is this is a special treat for those of us in Michigan right now. Um, <laughs> we get uh, we. Our winters in in the western part of Oregon are moderate, mm-hmm. but our difference between you and us is we get a lot of rain. Right, lots of rain. Our humidity just usually hangs through the summer and yeah. coats us very gently in sweat. This is kind of an interesting state. Half of yeah. one half of the state from the, from the center of Oregon to the west is uh, rainy. The other half of the state from uh, to the to the east where I grew up in in Pendleton is high and dry just a difference in elevation yeah well it's it's the rock it's the Rockies yeah. and the mountains come right through that part of Oregon north to south and they block all those uh, rainstorms that head want to head east they just block them at the mountains and so the east east side of Oregon is uh, I mean it's wheat country and you can't raise wheat in a lot of rain, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep, but, uh, well, just before we hit record, we were actually talking okay. about somebody um, in your family, and I, I kind of like to lead in with some easy, sure. st- easy stuff, mainly just to get the conversation going, which so far you and I haven't had any trouble getting conversation going, but I wanted to make sure that this <laughs> made it to the podcast. Yeah. Um, my introduction to you and this was joked about with a friend of mine earlier today. I only know you from the Best of Hank and Dash DVD. Oh, huh. And so on oh, on there, you you had your your mom on an episode. Oh yeah. Oh and yeah. And there wasn't many birds getting away from her. But that's no, we... absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, she was. I mean, that woman, and she she uh, started shooting competitive skeet. As a very young, a, a young wife, very young. I was just a, a boy when I'd watch her shoot 
uh, at the skeet range in Pendleton. And year after year, she'd win almost every competition. She was something. And, she, and then, of course, she taught me how to shoot. Mm-hmm. She always complained that I would have been a better shot if I'd have been right-handed like her. Instead of left-handed. <laughs> <laughs> My boys have been shooting left-handed. But uh, wow, we did the eye test. And yeah. rather than try to trick your eyes and blur things yeah. out, you know, I can train your hands, but your eyes are picked for you. And, yep. uh, I, I've heard that's, I've heard that it's extremely difficult to switch if you're natural mm-hmm. left eyed to switch to a right eye. And some people tried it and, but I actually tried it once. I put my gun up to my right shoulder and I looked down the barrel and I had two barrels there. <laughs> Yep, <laughs> and my left eye would just not cooperate. And we've it kept it just it kept saying, "Des, Des, you got the wrong thing going here." <laughs> I I was very lucky. I wing shot one goose once, left-handed. I'm a natural right with a natural right eye. Oh, uh-huh. but I happened to have been in a spot where a pair came in, and the front side was where my wife was shooting, and this second one just decided it was going to slip twenty yards behind the blinds. And I don't know how I did it. I had three shells to use, but I, I got it. And I, the fundamentals are all there in a way where, okay, it's on my shoulder, my cheek's down. And all of a sudden you're finally like, just close that right eye <laughs> and, and squeeze three times. And I, I did wing it down, but it's not natural for me. But, you know, the boys, we're going to try to get them hunting and shooting the way they can naturally be the most proficient i had a i had uh, i was very fortunate with my mother teaching me to shoot uh, despite the fact that we were opposite hands for shooting uh, as a skeet shooting champion she knew uh, lead and mm-hmm. she knew uh, depth and she knew distance and i mean she had that all down and so i got you know i got some great lessons from a really fine shot yes and in a game that gives you an incredible fundamental skill set. Oh boy, does it ever! Yeah, yeah. Uh, every every flushing bird, every incoming waterfowl is somehow kind of duplicated, at least in application on skeet. Yep. And it it, it might was, bore yeah. people because it isn't sporting clays, but my goodness, yeah, it it sure yeah, is a good way to start. Yeah, it is. I love sporting clays. I shot whenever we tape our shows around the country. Uh, almost invariably there'll be you know there'll be a sporting clays or there'll be uh, you know some some uh, trap house and so i've always had an opportunity to get in some extra shooting before we take one of our shows and that was really helpful because you know i didn't realize when i started when i came up with the honey with hank concept it didn't dawn on me that i'd have to hit birds on camera <laughs> so Right, or you need a lot of guests that can shoot well. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, and we had some wonderful guests. We had some, some, uh, some people in the industry who were well known that wanted to be on the show with Hank, and later on the show with Dash, and and so we got, gosh, we just got so lucky with that series with those sets of shows. We did 135 shows in 11 years, and. Uh, Really, the best part of my various, as my mother would call it, my various careers. 
Did I lose you there? Yep. No, I'm right here. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. For a second there, you okay. went dead. That I'm blaming my machine. Oh, sorry. Yep. I'm right here. <clears throat> well, do you think a performer like me would miss an opportunity to do an interview? Come on. Absolutely not, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And I'm... <laughs> Out of out of the shows, I th I think almost everybody that either watches back back when your guys were on, or any of the other ones now, you look at that guy on on camera, and you look at the dogs, and you look at the places too, and you're like, my goodness, I gotta go to work and put on tools, like I have to do tomorrow morning. I'm like, why, yeah. why can't I be so lucky as just to, you know, in my case, run around here with Drummond and Scout and and film hunting i think um uh, you know between you and me i think there's a lot of luck involved the outdoor life network was brand new when i came up with with the concept of hunting with hank and they were looking for programming and so i took hank and we went to uh, i live in portland in western part of oregon we hopped in the car and drove clear over the eastern part of Oregon, up into the high prairie, and taped a pilot show over there with a, with a man who was going to end up being my director. And uh, we went into the studio. I pieced that thing together the best I could because of my past television experience and set it off, and <laughs> there you go. It just, you know, it just, when I look back on it, it really just kind of boggles the mind. Yeah, I, boy, now I'm, no, I'm, I'm gonna stick with the job I have. I'm sure, for, well, for now until <laughs> I stumble into something. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. yep. I've, uh, then you know the nice thing too is with this, you know, I, I got to know you through just that one DVD, and, uh, and I did oh. mention this earlier, but. The nice thing about that was you handpicked your first impression for a lot of people who I'm probably at that age group where I probably missed your shows being on air. But I have probably yeah. I have the the DVD here of the ones that you said this is the ones that if you're going to only see these, these are the ones. And so yeah. And I, we've watched it, I bet, six or seven times or more now because <laughs> out of all the things to put in there. There's variety. There's different guests. There's there's something where I can put the I can put it on, let the kids watch it, and and I can walk away and not look back. Um, and at the same time, they get to see the dogs. They get to see your guests. They get to see you. They get to hear your narration. Um, and they get to see never spoil your bird dog. Absolutely, which <laughs> that's like the one hard and fast rule around here. Yeah. Yep. You know. Um, I, I, I started that really as a, almost as a lark. And I did that because when I started training Hank, when he was a puppy, I would take him to various, I'm here in Oregon. I'd take him to various professional dog trainers to see, have them see him and just get some counsel and some advice and, you know, all of that stuff. And, uh, what, what I found out was that it was just a hell of a lot of fun to teach a bird dog to do the things that they do so well when they, when they get the opportunity and just have fun with it. And, oh my gosh, 
Mm-hmm. That was, and Hank was, I he was not my first bird dog. I'd had Labradors before that. You know, and that's a different breed and a different type of training. So Hank was the very first pointing dog I ever had. And I followed, I don't know if you know this name, but I followed Richard Wolter's book, Gun Dog. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Almost to the letter. I mean, I just, I read that night after night while Hank was laying in my lap as a little puppy and would take him out the next day and we'd have a short session in the morning then we'd have a short session in the afternoon. And before I knew it, there he was doing what I wanted him to do. It was just really <laughs> kind of fascinating because I'm not a professional trainer by any means. I've a, I, I'm not ever going to probably be professional, uh, but I've, you know, a lot of it comes down to it, and I know I'm going to get a, a trainer here on the podcast pretty soon. I've been talking with one a little bit. Good. My my purpose in training a dog is to almost, I've, I've got to the point where I need to give you just enough manners, but really I'm just here to provide you enough bird contacts. And, well, this is Michigan. This is grouse and woodcock territory, so yeah. how many grouse and how many woodcock can I let you run into until you just have it all click. Yeah. And yeah. with our with our younger setter here, that's exactly what I did. I tried to stay away from the, the handling the birds. I got a good recall on him. He knows he knows what I want out of him. I could see his range and then I said, Okay, I'm just gonna find covers with birds and let you learn. And along yeah. the way let me learn because what's a dog supposed to do if I don't teach range? What's he going to do if I don't teach this or that? And I just let yeah. them and the cover dictate. And what a wonderful thing a dog can do uh, when you're just quiet and let him find a woodcock after woodcock after woodcock or a grouse. Yeah. And they're such an amazing animal. I just, I loved our, I loved our woodcock shows we did uh, back east. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, or rough grouse shows we did back in the mountains. And, oh, those are, but boy, they were rough on our my crew. Both of my camera guys had to pack a 25-pound camera and a vest full of batteries because we were out in the boonies, and when the battery go down, they had to stick a new battery in there, so they packed batteries. And, I, and so I couldn't complain because I just walked around with my little 20-gauge pop gun. Yep. And a whistle. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, now it's... At least cameras are smaller now. Yes, they are. Yeah, oh, these guys had... The cameras they had then were huge. And they pack it on their shoulders mm-hmm. and end up having to take aspirin at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to need a lot and of so, aspirin, especially out this way now. We've. Uh... And so I would get... Of course, we'd be out all day to tape these shows, and I'd get tired, mm-hmm. but I would never say anything to the guys because, you know, they, they were the ones doing all the work. Right. Right. As it is, I know we, we pick those nice, for grouse guns especially, right, six pounds or less, sub-gauge, smooth, yeah. sleek, and then there's a guy over there carrying something the size of a small cooler on his shoulder. You're like, yeah. oh, boy. Yeah. Yep. No, I've, I have. Yeah. I, I haven't mounted many birds, um, but I do have one of the my treasured mounts is a rough grouse I got in New England. Oh yeah, beautiful bird. Jumped, <laughs> jumped out of a point from 
one of my boys and flew. I just, I guess you do this too for wherever you are. I just threw a shot out there to see what happened. I'll be and mm-hmm. I'm stunned when that bird fell. It's a, that's a very common technique. <laughs> There's, we, uh, we, I still love my clear cuts and I still love those, those regrowth areas. And my shot windows are anywhere from five feet to 50 feet. And yeah. if you've got it at, at foot number 15 and there's only 16 feet available, you know, yeah, gun hits your shoulder, the bird should be here, bang. And then, you know, you look over at the dog and, and they have an uncanny knack of knowing when you hit and when you missed. Yeah. And yeah. 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 I, I was so fortunate. I didn't miss very often, but when I did miss, we put it in the show. That's, that's the honest way to do it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I wasn't too thrilled about that, but that's, I felt that was the thing to do because everybody misses sometimes. So and my mom would sit after she, I'd bring the show over to, so she could watch it while I was airing. And, uh, she would critique my shots because she was so good at it. And she would want to know how come I would miss that particular bird and what I was thinking and how I was aiming. It was just hysterical to watch me listen to her talk about that. Right up to her dying days, boy, she was a, she was a pistol. Oh boy. Yeah. That's, that's one of those things too with, I know we family is one of those things that always comes up whether it's in camp or in hunting, that's one of a, one of the big traditions pretty much everywhere where there's hunting. And that is, is being out with either the generation above you or below you, you know, and in my case, it wasn't long after uh, I got into this with, with my first dog, I ended up with, with my dad. He calls him, he, he was able to pick his own nickname. So he went with Grampy. And so my, my twin boys are up, we're over at my hunting partner's uh, family place, and we have this cover that we call the pumper. And there's a picture of us, we've emerged on this sandy track at the end, and my, my buddy takes this picture down there, and I'm standing in the middle, the two boys are playing in the foreground, and in the background, my dad's taking a knee for a second, getting his wind, uh, holding uh-huh. on to his shotgun, and for the first time in probably, I don't know, almost ever, there were three generations of us back hunting again. Um, How neat. And, yeah, that's that's one that's always, you know, it's saved in the phone. It's in my archive. It's in a USB in oh, my nice. desk. But uh, what, a, what a great memory, huh? It is. And it's, you know, and we still we still get up and do it. My dad and I take a special weekend and try to extend it to about four days. Uh, once woodcock season opens just for the purpose of uh, we make sure we get out together for for our time and sometimes the boys are along and sometimes they're not depends on on when it falls but uh, that is that is kind of the purpose in a way of of what what hunting has turned into and those family traditions do play that big big role Um, yeah that's for sure i heard from we were on the air for 11 years 135 shows, and uh, I was always uh, um, thrilled to get correspondence from viewers on what it was about our shows that they liked, and almost all of it was uh, we didn't shoot birds every two minutes. That was very common for people to say that. Mm -hmm. Um, 
that we we took the time to set up the scenes and and when I had guests, we took the time to show the guests, give them their spotlight, and you know, one of the things I thought was important. I was thrilled to find out that that's one of the things people enjoyed. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was hurt at first because I I thought for sure they'd they, you know they'd be thrilled with my good looks and my my voice and my ability, but no, that wasn't it at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, that wasn't it at all. No. No, I mean. Really, I mean, everyone that that's mentioned it has mentioned really just that they were more interested in Hank and Dash, of course, weren't they? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> they were nice boys. Yeah, really there's... nice boys. Yeah. I think that's Both one of those. In the Bird Dog Hall of Fame. Yeah, yep. That's pretty cool. Yep, I think so that's one of those things, it. though. If you bring a dog out around anybody who wants to bird hunt, and I do this because I, I guide a little bit here at a preserve. Oh, huh. There isn't a guest, a client, or somebody there to watch that doesn't. The first thing you drop that dog out, and I always leash him up that way. It, it's good manners, so that until right. until we're ready, my dog's at, at heel on lead. And uh, oh, what's his name? Oh, this is this is either Scout or Drummond, depending on the dog. Yeah. Oh, is he friendly? Yeah. Oh, oh, he's unbelievably friendly. Uh, yes, yeah. you can pet him absolutely. And then later yeah. on, there, oh, who are you? Well, I'm yeah. the I'm the guy holding the leash. <laughs> I used to, I used to complain to Karen Ann when I would take Hank and then later Dash to a sportsman's show uh, where we were to be in a booth that uh, I see it in the eyes of the, of the, the people that came to those events from way down the aisle, I could see them looking up at this area and I could see them mouthing, look, there's Hank. <laughs> yeah. I thought, hey, I, I'm not chopped liver here, but that was—I actually set it up that way, so I was actually kind of thrilled that that's how it ended up. <laughs> yeah, they—I mean, they wanted to meet you too, but you didn't yeah, have sure. soft, floppy ears and those yeah, eyes. Exactly. I mean, yeah, I was kind of an afterthought, <laughs> and then then. <laughs> So the other thing was they didn't want pictures. Did they want pictures of me? No. <laughs> they, they wanted me to take a picture of them with my boys. <laughs> mm -hmm. so, it's kind of a backhanded compliment, but it was nice. It was really nice. Did you ever have Hank and Dash giving autographs? Well, they, uh, they uh, had the ability to have everybody love them. And so they they just had pictures <laughs> taken of all the time, and that was so neat to have that happen. And then as an afterthought, they would say, oh, Des, would you sign this for me? <laughs> 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 sure. Yeah, yeah, you betcha. <laughs> oh, yeah. But you mentioned the Hall of Fame in Grand Junction. Yeah. Grand Junction, Tennessee. Or as they say down there, Grand Junction, Tennessee. Tennessee and of course to them I have an absolutely atrocious accent right exactly yeah <laughs> I interviewed uh, I interviewed I, I'm not sure if he's there now anymore but I interviewed the the uh, person that was in charge of that place mm -hmm. when we were taping some shows down there in uh, Tennessee and uh, I'm telling you honest to God it was hard literally hard without focusing to understand what he was saying. 
the accent was so pronounced. <laughs> it was great. We got in the studio and started editing that thing, and uh, our editor was a, was a really nice guy. He he stopped the editing, got on the intercom, and said, "Hey, everybody, come in here and listen to this guy." <laughs> Everybody in the studio would wander in and listen to that accent. Yeah, that was. That's one of those interesting places that I want to go someday. The more, the more I become involved with my dogs, and yeah. uh, and being such a such a fan of history, the kind of the the lineage of where where that Ames Plantation comes from. Yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, and I'm a I'm a fan of Nash Buckingham. I don't have enough of his writing here. Me but, either. Yeah. But his involvement there and the things that kind of went on just just a, a neat place to visit. As well as I saw somebody again post the the dog graveyard there at Die Lane. I'm like, oh, uh -huh. I'm like, okay. I I'm not gonna take a lot of trips too far south, but maybe a sightseeing tour someday. You know that that's going to be high on the list at some point here just because what an amazing kind of thing just to go walk through and to to be amazed yeah. at and along the way then i'm going to definitely hit old hemlock um, just to kind yeah. of make the tour yeah. complete it's it's pretty amazing really yeah <clears throat> now lately i've had a a long string now of setter men all on the podcast we started out with with abraham with with his line of setters and i have one coming up that i haven't published yet that uh that actually has an old hemlock setter as well along with a another another pair a llewellyn and a and another dog but uh what tell me in all the like you you had labradors to begin with now i know you yeah. still you still have a setter with, with chance um, yeah yeah, he's a sweet boy. <laughs> I, I think every last one I've met so far has been maybe a little spoiled too. But they're oh, shame on you! I would never do that. I I saw one you fed know, slices of wagyu once. We um, we did that <laughs> never ever spoil your bird dog segment on all of our shows, and it came about because a professional dog trainer when I was training Hank said to me, if you want Hank to be a bird dog, make him stay in the kennel. Don't let him in the house. Don't let him become a pet. And I just couldn't, I couldn't do that. Oh, wow. I just couldn't. No. I mean, I grew up, I grew up with dogs my whole life. I had dogs as a kid out in a ranch in Pendleton and, and I just, they were all part of the family. Mm -hmm. So, that that's what I wanted to do with Hank. And so that's almost where the never ever spoil your bird dog segments on his show came from because I just thought it was kind of funny that we would say that and then poke a little fun at that. <laughs> and still too, I think to this day I know there's there's countless people out there that when you say that all smile, laugh, and they say, Yeah, he gets the roughest spot on the couch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, yeah. Or I know of a particular setter named Morgan that one day was served his slice of steak cold, and I'm sure he wasn't happy about it. Well, at I'm least sure it, he wasn't. <laughs> at least at first. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. There's, 
they sure bring a special spark to your life, don't they? They do. They do. I, I get to hunt them 30 days a year, and then I can pet them all the other ones too. Yeah. Just, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's... Yeah. They do every now and then get in, get in the way. We've noticed with with my first dog, I was very strict about, I'll let you up. I have to say up, though, first. And slowly, oh, uh-huh. slowly over the next couple of dogs, discipline kind of got a little more lax. <laughs> and now you have to watch out. You get a good hot cup of coffee. Uh, <laughs> and you see that dog coming, and you're like, no, yeah. no, 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 not right now. Yep. And then yep. he looks at you like, oh. And then you kind of wave him over to the side. You can come up over here. Just give me two feet before anyone gets scalded. But uh, they... Yeah, <laughs> when, when, uh, when we had Hank, and I would travel with him, of course, and uh, we... <laughs> It never, it didn't seem to matter where we were, uh, what kind of facility it was for us to relax in the evenings and have meals and stuff. Everybody wanted Hank in the house. And so that became, I mean, because he was a house dog with us. And so that was easy. And then after that, you know, it was so nice to be able to do that. Oh, yeah. Yep. It's, and it's, it's a part of training, really, I think. You know, you start training at seven weeks, eight weeks. Whenever yep. you get the puppy, you begin with the house and the crate and everything else. And yep. it's only a natural progression that if I can teach a dog some level of manners on birds or in the field, I can, with with 200-plus days of, of available opportunity, I can make sure that you're at least well-mannered in the house. Those yeah. are the – that's the easiest, really. Yeah. And – uh and and two we we eat supper and and two of the dogs take their cues her labrador goes over about six feet away from the table's edge and he sits where he would like to sit where he doesn't slide around on the linoleum and then my dog knows that he's supposed to lay down and so he picks a spot nearby and he's down on the ground and for the entire supper time they do that and it's yeah they've they've learned it it's just part of their routine now and it's it's something that's neat when people compliment you on it because well, your your dog doesn't beg oh no look at his eyes yeah. he's clearly begging yeah. but he begs over there where he knows it's okay and i used um i'm not a professional trainer so i used i used a book i found when i got hank as a baby i was searching for something i could use as a guideline and i picked richard Walter's book gun mm-hmm. And I used that as my Bible for training Hank and then later training Dash. Mm-hmm. And uh, gosh, I just, that book just, it gave me so much insight because I'd, I'd grown up on a ranch and we had collies, we didn't have bird dogs. And so I was really, actually to tell you the truth, I was scared. I wasn't sure I could do for Hank what I wanted to do for him. And so, you know, I was thrilled when I found Walter's book. Mm-hmm. And his generations worth of bird dogs have been trained by that book. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And we, <coughs> I found, I found the second, the second I got my dog, they said, well, we would like to have you nav to test the dog, at least for the puppy stuff. And so I'm, I'm going to need a group. And so 
I end up doing a little reading here and there with, I ended up with Speed Train Your Bird Dog, which is another old classic. And then yeah. I hear, I'm here at the, the NAVDA group and I have 30 different people at some point either showing me something I don't know or learning alongside yeah. me. And here I am sitting next to, you know, a guy who's getting ready for the UT or who has a VC in his kennel. Um, and he's just there to help. And what a what a great resource, you know. We've went from just books to the point now where, yeah, yeah an entire yeah. group of assets in a way. Uh, and a, a good place, too, where, where I found, quite frankly, some of my best hunting friends um, come from that, that fraternity there. Oh, uh-huh. And it's a, in fact, they come up to camp, you know, some of them are the ones that, uh, that come up every year and we grouse and woodcock hunt. We eat plenty of good food. Um, but there's, there's that bond that we get, you know, and, and every year we all look forward to it. It's almost as good as Christmas, but, uh, woodcock, what an interesting bird. I have an affinity for him. There's just the i think where they live yeah you know those those cool moist soil kind of areas those elder runs just uh they're they're magnificent in their their instincts you know but i just just their very habitat for some reason just the beauty there strikes me a little harder i think yeah and, they're they're quite a bird i I talked to my director early in our Hunting with Hank series about the variety of birds that I wanted to show. And uh, when I mentioned the woodcock and told him where they live and how they migrate through the timber and how you find them in the dense cover, he was absolutely adamant about not wanting to do it because he had to pack a 35 pound camera and <laughs> batteries. Mm-hmm. to keep the camera going into the deep woods yep. but I finally convinced him to try it and that's one of the shows we got an award for was for our woodcock show if you can if you can get Michigan upland hunting on camera and you get birds in frame you've you've achieved something that's yeah. I mean no kidding we've yeah. we can do it with our cell phones but it's not it's not show quality and show quantity Oh. Yeah. I absolutely love waterfowl hunting, and um, and man, I would jump shoot or decoy hunt or mm-hmm. whatever it took to get some mallards in, in, in or widgeon or even I even loved hunting teal. And in Colorado, my where I got out of the army at uh, Fort Carson near Colorado Springs, when I got out of the army, um, I would. In the fall there in Colorado Springs, I could just go out into the country almost anywhere and uh, find birds to hunt. Uh, and <laughs> oh man, what you know, what a thrill that was to be able to do things like that. Yep. And, and duck hunting. Duck hunting was high on my list of priorities. Of course, I didn't have a bird dog then, but hunting yep. ducks. Wow, mallard drakes cupping the wings and dropping into decoys. I mean, mm-hmm. really. Yep. Yep. Mallards. There. There's something about the weight and feel of a mallard. When you're holding it, looking at it there, and we're yeah. and of course Michigan. I'm in an area right here where I have agriculture on the outskirts of my area. 
a giant state game area filled with oak ridges, and the entire place is covered in like cranberry bog holes. Oh man! We have wood ducks everywhere. Oh, and talk about fun! God, they're so beautiful those wood ducks. Mm -hmm. Wow, they're what a gorgeous creature! They're probably my second highest in table fare, but there isn't a better picture-taking duck. We don't have. Um, uh, I guess here in Oregon we have we have a, a few wood duck mm-hmm. that come through, but not not many. We have uh, like most places, I suppose. We have mostly mallards and we have widgeon, mm-hmm. uh, teal early in the season. When I uh, was when I got out of the service in Colorado Springs. They had Colorado had an early teal season that started in September because the blue wings came through yes. really early. Michigan so I got just opened some, one. Got yeah, got into some nice teal hunting uh, early in September. Yes. Oh wow. yes. Mm-hmm. In fact, this Labor Day, this past Labor Day weekend, uh, my wife and I on the Saturday of the teal season ended up with seven teal, and there is not a. There is some fantastic gunning to be had on those little ducks. And, oh, yeah. And, and table fare, I'm going to rank them as second to none. I would rather clean a strap full of teal knowing that I just bought myself a pile of work uh, yeah. than almost any other ducks out yeah. there for cleaning-wise because yeah. I've had such magnificent meals out of them. and. Yeah. And there's there's such beauty in them too. Those blue wings coming through, like you said, September first, they've already arrived here. I know. And uh, yeah, they're such a beautiful bird. Yeah, they don't. They're not too heavy to carry out. That's the thing I have against Canada geese. Oh God! <laughs> I've had. Yeah. I didn't have any heart attacks, but it seemed like I had a few <laughs> just trying to get to the truck. Um, yeah. But my goodness, talk about talk about fun. But I want to change gears just a little bit here. So I'm going to throw a few bird camp kind of questions at you here next. Sure, go. All right. Uh, some of them are easy. Some of them will be harder. Favorite breed of bird dog? Uh, oh, well, of course, I've got to be biased. Well, and sitters are incredible. And uh, <laughs> first bred and brought over to America and... Percival Llewellyn is the man for whom those dogs are named. Hmm. And that's how they got the name Llewellyn. Yeah. All right. Favorite caliber of shotgun? Uh, it differs. For wild birds, I prefer 12 gauge. For birds, I like a few more bullets mm-hmm. than 12-gauge shell. Uh, even if you've got a great bird dog, they'll jump wild. They'll make, they won't give you an opportunity to make a good shot. So, you know, I like, I like the 12-gauge pellets, and then I like the 20-gauge for uh, smaller birds. Okay. Are you more of a shooting jacket or shooting vest? person oh um actually both because i have <laughs> you should 
you should see my my ward my hunting wardrobe. It's filled <laughs> with gifts from various sporting companies, shirts, coats, vests, uh, hats, gloves. Uh, you know, <laughs> instead of willing my money to my siblings I'm, or my kids, I'm just going to will all these clothes to them because they love the outdoors too. There's just so many. Oh, good. I wear gloves mm-hmm. because um, I always felt I didn't want to get my sweaty fingers on my browning side-by-sides. Next okay. question, your favorite bird. Go. Favorite bird uh, to oh. hunt. Wow. Favorite bird to hunt. Rough grouse in the timber. Oh, amen. Hard to find. Flushing through the trees, into the brush. You got to throw a shot out there and just pray that it hits, and you know it's just—it's exhilarating. When one of those guys comes down, in, I'm in my office here talking with you, and among the few birds that I do have mounted it here, my favorite is a rough grouse male that we got on one of our shows. Nice. How, yeah. How many birds do you have mounted? Then you said just a few. Let's see. I've got a rough grouse. I've got. Two uh, willow ptarmigan that are mounted together. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a canvas back, two buffalo heads, uh, a redhead, which is uh, also a member of the duck family, mm-hmm. uh, and a, a sharp tailed grouse. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then up in the corner of one of my uh, shelves, I have a four pound German. German uh, trout that I took up on the Metolius River here in Oregon. Four-pound German brown. I mean, come on. Now, I know you surprised me there by not including a bird that I would have swore you had. No ringneck pheasant? Uh, You know, uh, I thought about mounting a ringneck, but what I really wanted was mounting some of the birds that were uh, unusual birds for me to be able to get. Hmm. So do you have that hunting memory? Is there one out there, like, if you were going to lose your memory, what's the last one you're going to let go? Do you have one of those? Hank out in front of me walking. Mm-hmm. In any particular place or just that that look of of him just being ahead of you? Just, sorry. No, that's, I'm right there with you. That's. I think just, I'm in my office talking to you right now, and I've got, uh, I'm looking at one of the walls that is filled with awards from, from our Honey with Hank shows and our Dash shows. And um, I've got pictures of Hank and, and Dash all over the office. And, you know, God, I mean, really. <sighs> Pretty amazing. It is. It, it is. I don't. Pretty amazing. L- looking back at, at what I know, that's quite all right. Looking back at what I have already with, I mean, I mean, I still have life left on the dogs. And I could still yeah. make well, more you know memories. What it's like. yeah. And I you can't. Know one of the hardest, 
yeah. one of the hardest parts of my career between you and me was when Hank died. And I had to make that announcement on my website. Oh. And it was uh, just, uh, it was. Yeah, I don't. I don't envy that part at all. I was you just know. in part. My my it first used to be a great bird, bird. He yeah. was just a nice boy, you know. Yeah. I think that's what it was about I'm taking the sports and series and he just he just loved on people when they came to see him. Yeah. I don't know about you know, like like the question started out with a hunting memory and you said just the way he's walking in front of me. Yeah. I can't think of a single point by itself. There's a handful of retrieves out there that that might someday make a memory list. Yeah. But really, it's it would almost be a generic moment, whether it's the way I watch the dog turn and check in or yeah. sees yeah. me. And, and there's that, and it, it is kind of that check-in where you see him glance over to his left or his right as he's crossing in front and go, yeah. yep, you're still there, and then retake off again. And yeah. And just watching the way the the eagerness of the dog working might be more powerful than one day of performance. Um, yeah, um, and I have in my office every single one of Hank and Dash's TV shows, mm-hmm. and I miss the boys. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I miss them more than others. And I'll pull up one of their shows put it into my computer here and just sit and watch my boys. What, what a great, uh, what a great memory that is for me. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then on one wall, I have all the awards that their shows won. I've got those up mm-hmm. here to, to look at and remember. And each, ep- each award is identified by a particular episode. And so that all brings back memories all the time. Yep. Yep. And in a way, the purpose whether it's this podcast or other things that we do, your your voice, the other guests' voice, um, the way they the way they speak their thoughts out, and then we record it, and it gets saved, and it gets published, yeah. and all these things yeah. too. You know, at, at some point in the future, whether my kids go back and listen to me talk, or you know, they're going to yeah. hear you, they're going to hear. Um, my friend John Osborne and some others. Um, We each have, you know, you have this huge, vast archive, but in our own little way, somewhere out there in an archive is going to be a sample of of me. There's a sample of you. There's a sample of another hunter from across the state. And each time we do that, we leave a little bit, almost like a treasure hunt later on. um, Yeah. Aren't we lucky? Really? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. This well, it was so nice to visit with you. Thank yeah. you so much for thinking of me. I'm hey, I I really appreciate it. It's I'm I'm glad you commented on the post there and uh because I hadn't thought about not that I hadn't thought about inviting you. I was just like, I don't know if Des does appearances or anything like that anymore. You know You bet. You just let me know what I can do. If there's anything else I can help you with, I'm a performer too, so just let yeah. me know. Yeah, I am, and again, I'm at this point. I'm, I'm trying to record conversations. Um, 
not not so much informational type stuff. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, well, and the purpose was, I mean, there's there's an informational bird dog podcast probably for every region of the country already. Probably. But, but what a lot of them don't do a lot of and what I think I want to lean towards is I can have you on and we can talk about hunting and the show and, and the things that are unique to you just as if we were back up at up at grouse camp and and then i mean out of all the conversations we have over the course of our our life some of those camp conversations are are sometimes the most genuine yeah um and and as well the way they wander who wouldn't sit down at the table at camp and if the two old guys in the room start swapping stories all you do is you just go you grab a beer when they run low, you, you grab them another one. You make yep. a you make a snack that night. You share it with everyone, and you let those guys go until they run out of stuff to talk about. Because yeah. what an incredible, yeah. you know, what an incredible treasure those turn out to be. Oh, absolutely. Um, and so, you know, I'd I'd appreciate it every every time somebody, you know, either shares it or likes it or comments on it. So. You know, if if I'm doing a good job at some point, and you say that was a great episode, you know, type that out for me. That's that's the thing. Um, I I have no idea how someone can help me, <laughs> other than too. If all of a sudden you listen to one episode and you're like, Joe, you kind of really went in the weeds on that. You know, you want to point that out to me as well. Yeah. Because my niece just walked in. I'm he's awesome. just doing the interview here, honey. Yeah. Oh, well, dinner time. When it I'm is ready. okay. Thank you. My this is my niece, Karen. She doesn't think I'm very special, but yeah, he's not. <laughs> oh, oh, she's keeping I'll you humble. My darling, she's such a doll. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, but... she act, she actually wanted to learn how to shoot, so I I taught her how to shoot. She's just a tiny thing. She's like Karen Ann. Mm-hmm. Just a tiny little thing. So, um, you know, you have to be really careful when you teach them to shoot. You have to worry about the uh, breast tissues yep. and making sure the shotgun is way up in that little pocket instead of sliding down. It's a different it's different trying than trying to teach a guy. It it definitely is. I've uh Yeah. I didn't teach my wife because she doesn't listen to me. You know what? I didn't teach Karen Ann either. No, but I I didn't. I, I got somebody to teach her. <laughs> yeah, my my brother and the other guys at the club. She listens to them way better. Um, yeah. All I do is I, I, I finance which gun. Yeah. I didn't want anything to do with teaching Karen a how to shoot. Yeah. And uh, it was a damn good thing that I did it that way. <laughs> right. <laughs> she, she really enjoyed learning. And then uh, she got so good at it that when we put her on her shows, she, well, she's beautiful and incredibly intelligent and well-spoken. So she was a perfect guest and she could shoot. <laughs> exactly. Yep. I mean, really, how lucky can a guy get? I, every time I look around the study, that's the question that pops up between the, the birds and the books and the guns, you know, the dogs that are laying around by the fireplace right now. Yeah. How lucky could I have gotten? 